Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip answers your questions, such as, is Bitcoin dead? And what's the most important factor in investing? Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now... Here's Philip. All right, back with another Ask Philip Daily podcast. Market recap: last five days, the Dow Jones, which represents uh, old industry stocks, think of manufacturing, oil and gas, all those things, uh, and gold still are leading over the last five days. Um, Bitcoin, the S and P 500, Nasdaq stocks have all uh, turned negative over the last five days. And that's a continued short-term trend of a rotation from from value stocks and gold away from away from uh, future-oriented stocks. If you look back at the one-year, five-year uh, price returns, they uh, the Bitcoin tech tech stocks, which is Nasdaq stocks, still have a healthy lead in the trend over over old-school industry. And so, um, listen to my episode yesterday to know why I look at the short-term versus the long-term, but I'll be giving updates every single day on that. Let's, let's get into a concept that the, 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 the hurdle rate concept, right? Which is important to understand when you're investing because, um, you know, for example, in America, if you're, if you, if you're in the U S I know I have people who listen all over the world, but if you're in the U S you basically look at, you basically have two Americas now, right? Over the last 30 years, the average, uh, workers' salary has not really kept pace with the cost of living in America. But if you were in the right industry, right, the industries that um, were the industries of the future that's reshaping the new world order that we talk about so often, um, you did phenomenally well. As a matter of fact, us folks here in Texas, you know, are seeing the value of our real estate prices go up significantly because we have uh, the new industry folks, the California Silicon Valley folks moving to Austin DFW uh, and come in here and are just super excited about our relatively low cost of living. And so, um, but because they were in uh, industries that were relevant for the future and supply and demand, you know, all, always works over the long term, they, um, their incomes kept pace significantly um, above the cost of living. And so same thing applies with it, with it, with investing, but the thing you want to look at, when it comes to in, in investing is, you know, um, you know, with your income, you look at, okay, you know, what are the things that I'm buying now and how fast are they going up? Which, which, you know, they were going pretty, they were going up pretty fast for most people on, on you know, um, when you look at it just from the income. So if you look at what most people spend on from the income, it's, it's housing, it's insurance, it's education that went up a lot. But then if you look at, all right, my investments, how do I make sure that I make my investments keep pace um, um, so that so that my investment income doesn't get left behind relative to everybody else, um, which is a which is which is a, a different mindset, because th- what you want to pay attention to is also not only, uh, you know, the price inflation of of um, 
of what you live on, but you also, which because you're saving for the future so that you can live on the money, but you also want to pay attention to it's asset, asset inflation, right? How, you know, how much are assets um, growing on average? And that's, 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 that's half the picture. What you really want to lock in on is how much money is the government or the major governments printing every single year? Like what's the printer rate? Because the printer rate is going to translate into the 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 asset inflation rate, like the the the, the base rate for um, the asset of choice, uh, or the baseline asset of choice for people um, uh, investing. Let me explain it simpler, right? Because I'm 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 hesitating because I'm, I'm 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 wanting to go nerd, but if 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 you basically look at the Fed balance sheet, the federal, that's the central bank of the US, the Fed's balance sheet, and you and you look at um the growth of the balance sheet, right? And why is the growth why is the balance sheet growing? Well, because government creates money and then they go and buy government bonds to keep the prices up in the market to prep up the whole system. Um and so the the um the SP 500 has basically tracked the Fed balance sheet uh, growth rate for the last few years, and, and probably isn't even has fallen fallen behind it a bit. And so, if you say, you know, what assets have outperformed the Fed balance sheet over the last decade, right? Um, the really the only assets that have outperformed the Fed balance sheet over the last decade um, is is Bitcoin and 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 tech stocks, right? I call it the the new world order assets, assets that are networked. And we'll get into that in a second. But um, so, so, so you, so you say, okay, my hurdle rate, right? What I have to earn on my investments to keep pace with, um, with asset inflation, right? Is that money printer rate? And, and, and so then you have to say, okay, what is the, what is, how much are they likely going to print over the next five years? Cause I like to use five year timeframes and the, the, you know, a, a really good, number that's not even uh, assumed to be outrageous to, to keep this basically Ponzi scheme of a system up is 15% a year, right? 15% a year to make sure that they print enough money to provide stimulus to the economy, to keep prices from collapsing. Um, and so then you say, okay, if that's, if, 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 if it's 15% a year, that means if my investments don't earn at least 15% a year, I'm not getting any wealthier, right? As a matter of fact, if I if it if I if I lose 15% a year, I'm actually um, getting relatively poor, right? Uh, again, go back to the example I used before of people who made an income that was less than the uh, cost of living growth rate, uh, and, and and so they got poorer, right? Fast, you know, fast forward them relative to people who um, had higher incomes, you know you know, go, go back 30 years and then look at those, you know, look at tech um, workers and then look at like manufacturing workers, right? And then you look at them 30 years ago and now the lifestyles are drastically different. So this is what I'm saying about investments. Look at the people that are investing in assets that clear, that, that go significantly above the hurdle rate and then assets that, and, and then people investing in assets that are going below that money printer rate and then we'll fast forward 10, 20 years from now, and they're going to have vastly different uh, wealth trajectories, right? It's it's also similar to the equivalent of you look at 
you know, I think I mentioned before about um, when, when, you know, before the U.S. over the last, you know, 100 years ago, so became the wealthiest country in the nation before it was the U.K. And so if you were to, you know, for example, in 1940, uh, you know, be a U.K. citizen where they were struggling with relatively high inflation, you know, low growth. Um, it was it was a relatively stable economy. So UK seemed safe because it had been safe for the last hundred years to have your money in. But if you were to but if you looked across the across the pond and saw America, you saw opportunities to grow your wealth at an at a rate above, you know, local inflation and asset inflation because America was where all the money was going. It was more volatile, but volatility does not equal risk. And so you put your money over there, you let it sit for a hundred years. You're, the average American is a lot more wealthier than the average uh, UK citizen today, right? There's more wealth in America than anywhere on the planet, right? Um, and China's catching up quickly. So, the, so this is the things you want to think about. I know it's deep, and I, you know, I thought, whether, you know, should I go there or not? But I think, I think um, if if you have trouble getting it, go back and listen to all all my you know podcast episodes for the year on economics. I think it'll catch you up. Let's get to some of the questions um, that I had over over the last over over yesterday. Right? Is Bitcoin dead? <laughs> this is funny. So we have multiple market cycles going on. You have the normal economic cycle that stocks, bonds, commodities go through, and now you have a new asset cl- class that's becoming fully developed. And so you have different cycles within that cycle. And so at the beginning of a of a crypto bull market cycle, you have Bitcoin that leads the leads the party, right? Bitcoin is the most the most conservative, most trusted um, assets, and you know you know I feel this to this to secure it. You know I personally feel like it's the most trusted asset in the world, but definitely in crypto land, it's the most it's the, it's the foundation of crypto land. It's the most solid reserve asset of the of internet money, and so just like in the real world, when you know people start out on the risk curve they say hey i want to own something safe and if they want to be risky they go further out the risk curve and invest in more and more risky things as the bull market picks up it works the same way in crypto so bitcoin is is the is the perceived safer of all the crypto assets so it starts the bull market and then as as the bull market goes right then other alternative uh, other alternative coins begin to um go up a lot in value you saw this in the 2017 market where bitcoin led and then towards the second half of the cycle or, you know, later in the cycle, Ethereum started smoking Bitcoin. Other coins started smoking Bitcoin. People start saying, oh, it's the death of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is, you know, Bitcoin is, uh, it, it, Ethereum's going to take over Bitcoin. Same things that, that are being said now were being said um, then against Bitcoin. Oh, Bitcoin is dead. And then you let the full cycle flush out and, and Bitcoin gain dominance again after you had the rise and fall of the cycle now w- will that happen again like who who really knows right this is such an early market you don't really know but 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 my point is this is similar to what happened previously before so don't don't get caught up in the hype study the protocols understand where money flows over the long term based on principles and you know that becomes my fundamental hypothesis for why i think you know, for why Bitcoin is the biggest holding, you know, um, that I have. And I've said multiple times, I think I think there's going to I think Ethereum has won the operating system of the of the 
uh, crypto space. There are quite a few risks in, in, in Ethereum though, because it's, it's not decentralized um, like Bitcoin. There are a few people in charge, like the founder, that has a considerable amount of influence over, over Ethereum. And so that's a big risk. That's similar to the current system. Uh, it doesn't mean it won't work, right? Because Amazon stock is, is, is not decentralized. Uh, Facebook is not a decentralized company. Um, and those companies provide lots of value. So it doesn't mean that um, Ethereum is going to go away. It's just a it's just a risk. And if we're moving towards a more decentralized uh, world, that's just a, um, that is a vulnerability. And so for, for me, I like to think in terms of risk and reward. And I like to say, okay, Bitcoin's going after the reserve assets of the world, which is a, you know, a hundred X opportunity, even from where it is right now with, with very low risk. Cause it's, 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 it's a, it's a better monetary system. Right. But, you know, the, the bonds and cash that is going after are not earning anything. And after you factor in inflation, they're earning negative. And so money's so money's moving there. And then you say, OK, Ethereum is going to replace potentially, you know, uh, or it's going to be the foundation for replacing stocks and other risk assets. It's not going to replace all the stocks, but it's going to be the infrastructure for other current cryptos to be built on top of it, um, like NFTs, DeFi to potentially replace those if it's successful. And so, but, but that's a smaller, uh, that's a smaller opportunity from a, from a crypto standpoint. Um, and there's lots of risk in it because it's not decentralized, blah, 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 blah. Right. So, um, so by knowing that I'm like, well, cool, the better, the better risk just to play for me is Bitcoin. You know, you I own some of the other stuff, uh, um, you know, um, Ethereum being the, a, a very small portion, but the bigger of the other stuff. And then I own a, uh, I own a fund that just uh, invests. Uh, it's a grayscale fund that invests in other cryptos on a market weighted basis, which basically means the bigger it gets in the crypto markets, um, the more percentage of that portfolio is going to be. But but though, but the Ethereum in that fund is like less than ten percent of my crypto holdings. Um, so. That's uh that's my thoughts. Bitcoin's not dead. Bitcoin is still emperor, um, and bit and Bitcoin has a whole lot more to go from where it is right now. Next question: What is as what's the most important uh, focus in investing? Most important focus is asset allocation, which basically means. Did you get the investment theme right? And there's short-term term, ter, short-term themes and long-term themes. But for example, if you basically just bought American assets from 1940 to 2000, right? You got the long-term theme right. Don't bet against America. Buy America because America smoked everything, right? And and then there was different short-term, like ten-year period themes you could have done in between that. But the big long-term theme was bet on America, right? You know, before the before the 1929 crash, you know, if you went 50 years before that, it was, you know, invest in the UK, right? Or um, um, actually, it probably was even further before that for invest in the UK. But 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 before that, America was not as dominant. It was more uh, emerging, lots more shaky. Um, so it wasn't as clear of a, a clear play. If you look at 2000 to current, right? The 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 themes, the consistent themes are invest in networks. And I mentioned this before, Amazon is a network. Google is a network. Apple is a network. 
Facebook is a network. Uh, cryptocurrencies are just pure networks. They don't even have cash flow. They're just pure networks. They grow exponentially based on um, uh, the adoption of different people uh, using it for their intended use case. And so I talk about previous episodes, network being the new leverage, right? In a world that's fully indebted, that's too much in debt. You really can't grow much more through debt. So you have to grow through networks. And I believe that's going to be the next 50 year or so macro theme, right? Investing in networks. And so when you look at the portfolio, it, it doesn't, you know, like if you, if you get a portfolio of networked assets, which is, you know, the macro opportunity strategies that, that I manage at Stonehill Wealth Management for high income, high net worth clients. Um, and it's a, um, and it's a, which is a, which is a strategy that's more, you know, more aggressive, but sharp targeting a higher return. Um, but you like even in the regular portfolios, we, we, we tilt towards network type uh, companies and investment opportunities um, in the portfolio because it's the, it is the thing. Right. And, and so you don't have to, you know, um, uh, be right on stock selection if you pick the right theme. And, and then it's just a matter of how much, how much volatility can you take? Cause there's going to be volatility in it. And how strong is your conviction? Meaning how much of it do you, do you want to own? Cause by the way, like if you're wrong and it's all of your portfolio, um, then you're going to lose a lot relative to what you could have earned by being more diversified. But if you are more diversified, your opportunity is not as big. Cause if you, if you do have a hundred percent and you're right, you're, you know, the wealth you build is going to be kind of crazy, like really crazy um, over time. Again, think about the analogy of, you know, your wealth in, in the UK and America from 1940 to now. So that's um, asset allocation is important. Um, you can, you can have an asset allocation strategy built around a long-term theme and still be uh, pretty diversified. You gotta, you have to constantly make sure that your long-term theme is right. So you gotta go real deep in the weeds of what's happening in, in the ecosystem, you know, what's happening in the economy, what are the steps that, that could change the trend and understand that. But if you get the theme right, um, you can make a lot of money over time. So that's the show for the day. Uh, I look forward to recording another one tomorrow. Enjoy your Tuesday. Stay dry because uh, it's going to be rainy and cold and nasty. Um, but y'all have a good one. All right. Thanks. One of the biggest planning challenges I see for individuals that work at publicly traded companies are planning around their stock base or equity based compensation. They get stock options, restricted stock, employee stock purchase plans that can majorly affect uh, their tax situation and their balance sheet over time and the decision-making process around what you do with your stock-based compensation can significantly impact your net worth in a positive or, or even a negative way, way over the long term. And so what I offer to potential new clients is to review your stock-based compensation plan and give my opinion on what you should do, what you should think about, how to put together a strategy around that. It's something that I do on an ongoing basis with existing clients, but I'll offer a no-cost no obligation, one-time consultation on your stock-based compensation plan for anybody who's interested to sign up for a time. Go to my website, StonehillWealthManagement.com and book a free investment, no cost, no obligation review. 
StonehillWealthManagement.com. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.